Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with the indicast.com. This issue's cover focuses on a deal that could have made a pretty big impact to the tire industry in India and abroad. Now the merger of two biggies, Apollo Tires in India and Cooper Tire and Rubber Company in the US that would have created a 2.5 billion dollar entity but that wasn't to happen. Forbes India takes a look at the deal and what were some of the reasons why it fell off. My name is Abhishek and joining me on the call to talk about Discover is Ashish Mishra, Senior Principal Correspondent at Forbes. Hi Ashish, welcome back. Thanks Abhishek. Ashish, you've been following this deal very closely. The two companies, Apollo and Cooper, they've been in touch with each other for about four years and then uh, this deal imploded. Now, let's start with what was there in it for Apollo when it went ahead and tried to woo Cooper into buying it. Abhishek, if you look at uh, Apollo's interest in Cooper, it really boils down to two particular elements. And number one is an idea of, of geography. So if you look at Apollo Tires history, over the years, Apollo Tires has grown phenomenally. So it's grown in India with an acquisition in Europe. It's there in some bits of Africa. If you look at what Cooper does, Cooper is very big in the North American market. Cooper is quite big in, in, in the Chinese market. So if you combine both of these entities, you know, you have a very large footprint across the world with uh, access to three growth markets of the world. So you have access to India, you have access to China, you have access to Africa. With one signing of the pen, that gives you a huge geographical expanse to uh, work on. Second reason why Apollo was keen on acquiring Cooper, it's about the product. So, you know, Apollo over the years has become uh, better or stronger in terms of uh, OE relationships, just that they can get into relationships and long-term contracts with manufacturers like uh, Volkswagen or, or General Motors and Toyota and these companies. If you look at Cooper, they are completely on the other side in the sense that they are the best at what they do in the replacement market. Replacement market is, is huge. And Apollo is, is, is a big guy in the replacement market. So if you combine these three, two entities again, you have the entire expanse of the entire business kind of covered. So these two were the critical reasons why both these companies made the perfect sense. So from a product point of view, from a geographic point of view, it was really too good to be true. The other reason, again, in the earlier interview with Sunam Sarkar, who's the chief financial officer at Apollo, is that what has happened is that there's been increasing consolidation back-end states in the raw materials side, there has been consolidation, so margins there are kind of thinning down. And even on the buyer side, so as corporations like Toyota and GM and Volkswagen become bigger, so margins again there are are kind of uh, thinning down. When you have a company which is large enough and has volume and scale, that's what the consolidation kind of can help in the tire industry. And if you look at individual standing of these two companies, so Apollo is at number 17 and Cooper is at number 11. Once these two entities would have come together, they would have become the seventh largest in the world. And that really was the attraction. Right, and you mentioned that it was too good to be true. And perhaps that was one of the reasons why uh, last year Apollo announced that the merger was indeed on. Two things happened. The share prices of Apollo uh, went down a bit. Uh, Number one, why did that happen when it could have nothing but helped Apollo? Second part of the question is, why did the deal implode? You know, the transaction was actually announced on on 12th of June 2013. The moment the transaction is announced, and generally in mergers or acquisitions of these sort where Apollo wants to buy Cooper, which means that investors or shareholders realize that the company is taking too much debt or the company is going to put on too much debt, 
and that's the cause of concern in various transactions. You've seen that happening in Tata Motors JLR, you've seen that happening in Tata Steel Chorus. What was a concern in Apollo's case was that the entire amount that the transaction stood for, which is $2.5 million, was going to be all debt. So it was completely debt financed. And which is why the share price uh, tanked uh, like crazy over the next two days. So that was a concern that investors had. So for investors, I mean, the strategic realization of what the company is trying to do comes in quite late. Immediately, the worry is that, you know, okay, here is a huge debt that this company is taking, and which means that it has to service the interest, and what could go wrong. Now, what really went wrong with the deal? A lot of things. A, in my view, it's about diligence. So when, you, when you're doing a transaction of this amount, when, you, when you're going to spend so much, the diligence has got to be much better. What's happened here is that uh, there was some amount of potential liabilities that in my mind were papered over, so, so they could have been valued properly. The idea behind diligence is that you identify potential liabilities and uh, you know they should not come up and haunt you. That's really the bare bones idea of doing diligence. What I find curious in Apollo's case is that despite the best partners for doing diligence, there were potential liabilities that nobody could predict that would come up. And also, apart from due diligence, the part that was interesting was there are so many stakeholders in here. There's Apollo, obviously, then Cooper, and then there are union workers at Cooper in the U.S. who weren't too happy with their parent company. And then there is one counterpart in China, that is the Chen Chan Group, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, and one Mr. She Honzi, who owns uh, this group, and uh, it's in joint venture with Cooper in, in China. He had his own take on the whole deal, and there was a lot of friction between Mr. Shea and Cooper, and then Shea and Apollo, and then you have Apollo and union workers, and you have Apollo and Cooper. So this deal yeah. doesn't seem to have gone right at all from the beginning. Isn't that right? No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Abhishek. Within a month of the transaction being announced, I mean, you could see all quarters exploding. Chairman Cho, you know, having a different attitude towards the deal. There was immediately, there was a strike in, in China and uh, the Chinese plant staff manufacturing Cooper branded tires. On a similar note back home in Ohio, the United Steelworkers Union made a representation saying that Cooper has violated their collective bargaining agreement rights by entering into this merger without their consent. And so they are going to go into arbitration unless otherwise if their needs and demands are met. So the two stakeholders who are very important for the merger to go through were kind of creating problems. Now, in my mind, both of these, considering the relationships that they've had with Cooper, should have come during the diligence. And the hindsight that, that I can analyze is that what Apollo is saying is that uh, there was a certain element associated with the United Steelworkers uh, Union and their demands that could come up, but they had absolutely no idea that uh, Chairman Cher would come into the picture and derail the whole transaction. For me, that's not a good enough explanation, considering that there's a lot of history to be uncovered between these two partners, which is Cooper and Chairman Cher, plus there is a lot of history of what has happened between United Steelworkers Union and Cooper. So that's not a good enough explanation. And I also read about the valuations. Now, there was a point during the negotiations that Mr. Cher, he also offered to sell his stake to Apollo if they were willing to pay him somewhere around in the vicinity of 500 million when uh, what Apollo was willing to part with was between 140 and 200 million. The gap is pretty immense. We all know that in tech companies or startups in the Silicon Valley or in India, the valuations can get crazy. But can that happen even in the tire industry where you can point out assets and, and the like? It happens in all companies. I was looking at, at the transaction again 
And and one of the things that came up is that, uh, you know, to start with, Chairman Cho and Cooper in China, they had a 50-50 joint venture. Then at a point in time, which is about a couple of years back, Chairman Cho's 15% stake, another 15% was bought over by Cooper. And the way that I got to understand is that all Cooper paid for that 15% stake is $18 million. And then what you have a situation is that a new buyer comes in, which is that a new person comes in, which is a polo, and he values the entire company, which is Cooper Tire and Rubber, at $2.5 million. And what that immediately does is that the price of uh, the China business immediately goes up. That's really what has happened, and it happens in almost all companies. What surprised me is that when you're doing a transaction of this this nature, is when your diligence partners go in, there's a data room available to you. When you get access to records, you get access to all sorts of information that come in. And then you do a business diligence. And when you're doing a business diligence, you identify what will be the value is particularly assigned. A value is assigned for each of the assets that are there. I couldn't understand why there was so much of variation. And what I understood from Apollo is that they were very keen to work with Chairman Cho. China is a different entity altogether. It's a different territory altogether. Apollo has never worked there. So they were very keen that Chairman Cho continued to be a partner rather than, you know, to buy him out, which was the final stayed as it reached. They wanted to work with him and make this joint venture work. So when he threw the spanner saying that he wants a particular amount of money and then it went to the wire where you know, they met him again after the court case and where he asked for $500 million, finally backing down to $450 million. But, but Apollo wasn't willing to pay that kind of money. They had never budgeted that kind of that money kind when of they announced the transaction. And then there was the small matter of a court case that you briefly mentioned. Cooper sued Apollo in Delaware, and the reason is is buyer's remorse. Now, what does that mean? And that must have left a bad taste in the mouth. And why did that happen? So buyer's remorse is typically when a company, you know, has been for another company and, and you know, the buyer feels that, you know, he's, he's overpaid in terms of the money that he has to part with. They try and use delay tactics to, to get out or wrangle out of the deal. Because these two uh, potential liabilities came up, and Apollo says that it was surprised by these two, these two liabilities which came up, and it needed enough time to negotiate and to understand what exactly was it getting into. So it has to understand what is it getting into with Chairman Chair in terms of nature of uh, his demand, in terms of plant strikes, in terms of the entire territory. And then you have United Steelworkers Union who have demands of their own. And, you know, you have to go in and try and negotiate settlements and settlements which can last for so many years. So, so another five years, Apollo will have to live with the consequences of the settlement that means with USW. So it was taking time. The problem was Cooper and Apollo did not agree to a lot of time. And this is something that I gathered, again, conversations with lawyers, uh, a legal expert in the U.S. who said that domestic transactions in U.S. and can generally take about one year to come to a closure. In fact, where they are certain that there's going to be some difficulty, I take about 18 months. So they give themselves time. Here, in this case, they have, both parties had set themselves about six months to close the entire transaction. So the idea was that either there are not going to be any problems whatsoever, or if there are problems, then we are going to go in, solve those problems quickly, and, and move on. So what happened is that when the problems came up, Apollo wanted more time, but Cooper did not have enough time. And because it did not have enough time, you know, it felt that Apollo has buyer's remorse, which is why they sued them. And that came as a huge surprise. It was out of the blue for Apollo. They were not expecting a suit from Cooper. In fact, what they were expecting is that they will meet them again and say that, okay, now that your shareholders have cleared the merger, 
let's work on our plan of action of how we can take this further. We need to bring the price down because these two liabilities have come up, but uh, let's work on a future course of action. But Cooper believed that Apollo was having bias remorse, so, so right. this would them. Who do you think is to blame here? Is it a lack of competency? Is it moving too fast with a machete-like approach to seal a deal which has got a Chinese counterpart as part of it? And things are difficult in China too. You know, when you have to do business and get into ventures with the Chinese counterparts and you had the workers. Okay, let me put it differently. Where could they have done things differently rather instead of blaming? So a lot of places, I think, and I would try and answer the question that you asked before also. I think each party has to share the blame that this transaction never, never worked out. Chairman Chair had his own feelings in terms of what he expected is the value of his stake in the company. And I think he was expecting it at a, at, at a very high valuation. Cooper, again, uh, you know, as Otono has alleged, is that uh, behind Apollo's back, once the merger was announced, they invited the Chairman Chair to come all the way to the U.S. and had a meeting with him where they asked him if he would like to bid for the Cooper. And he bid higher than Apollo. So he bid $38 per share. And uh, Cooper thought that this financing was not in order, so they went ahead with Apollo. And when Apollo got to know, they were very sad, and, and they said that, you know, we, we never thought that something like this could have worked. You know, there were some trust issues between them. They could not even trust each other when it came to dealing with the USW, the union. And there were several friction points when these two, Cooper and Apollo, were trying to deal with USW, at a point when Cooper's lawyer was actually pushing Apollo to enter into any kind of contract or just about everything that the union came up with because they were running out of time. And when that started happening, Apollo pushed Cooper out of these negotiation meetings because uh, they were having an adverse effect on how those meetings were taking place. So over a period of time, these partners have had several rounds of distrust with, with each other. So Chairman Chair has, has felt insulted by going to the U.S. and bidding and $18 million for the last time that he sold this stake to Cooper, and that Cooper has cheated me, his own emotions to deal with, and Apollo's own emotions to deal with Cooper, the potential liability and the negotiation, and Cooper having very little time to kind of close the deal. And, you know, so it's come, kind of come undone in a lot of places. So what could have been done better? For sure, I think uh, they must, considering the time that they spent with each other, they must have had a better understanding of their relationship with each other. The union's relationship with Cooper, I guess that must have been studied more. If possible, uh, Polo should have had a, had a word with uh, the union and taken them into confidence or taken uh, Chairman Chair into confidence much before they went ahead and, and announced the deal. These potential liabilities could have been dealt before by taking these people in confidence. And that's how uh, I think could have been done better. Well, Ashish, I think this is, it's a fascinating story, the one that you've written as well as the, the one that you just narrated. I urge all the listeners to listen to this podcast, comment on it on ForbesIndia.com as well as pick up this issue. Ashish, thanks a lot for your time, really. Thanks a lot, Abhishek. Pleasure speaking with you. And all you listeners, to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, just message Forbes to 51818.